Sunday the 30th of October 1938 and over the Columbia Broadcasting System radio network, a news flash which caused drivers to pull over their cars into laybys, office workers to suspend work and rush home and factories to shut down their production lines. It was a news flash that brought panic and the news flash talked of explosions in the sky and unusual falling objects found in New Jersey. At the time, the world was on tenterhooks from an impending invasion by Hitler's Nazi Germany. But it wasn't that. In fact, something far worse. These unusual objects were coming from Mars. It was the adaptation of H.G. Wells' classic War of the Worlds by Orson Welles. And the widespread outrage that followed in the media, at the media, from Congress, from the public, was the ability of Orson Welles to create this theater which had people believing that the invasion was real. The adaptation was done rather than a traditional play. It was broadcast as a series of news flashes without advertising, such that those drivers in the cars believed this was real, believed this was actually happening now. We have to remember when these events took place. Only days earlier, two weeks earlier, in fact, Winston Churchill, in a broadcast to the United States, condemned Hitler and the Munich Agreement and called upon American Western Europe to prepare for war against the Nazis. And we, at the time, were in the middle of the Great Depression, the tail end of it. This was a time of mass unemployment, mass uncertainty, mass fear. Japan had invaded China just a year earlier, and Germany annexed Austria. The world was gripped with this sense of foreboding and inevitability that somehow there was this darkness forming on the horizon that would in time change history and change the world. So when Orson Welles broadcast War of the Worlds, he really created theater of the mind which captured the zeitgeist of the time. And it was audio that connected people. It was audio that drew people in and made them feel part of what was happening in the world right there, right then. If we forward to 2021 and we look at where we are today, we are witnessing a resurgence in audio. The golden age of radio that was the 30s and 40s is coming back, but not in the form of radio, but in audio too. If we have a look at the data, Infinite Dial published their latest data on Australia this week, and they revealed that 5.6 million Australians, 26% of them, listen to podcasts every week. The remarkable insight in that data is, is that the numbers have grown 53% since 
since their last study in 2020, i.e. prior to pandemic and lockdown. Now, the disruption we face today is in many ways qualitatively different to the disruption we faced in 1938. That disruption was on a significantly larger scale. However, the disruption we feel today is still real. Disconnection, fear. We're living in a time where we are not connected in the ways we used to be. And we're also scared. People are scared about their jobs. People are scared about the future. Nobody's talking about the future now. People are only talking about the present because they can't feel anything beyond the next three to six months. All they want to do is know when will this be over? When will this nightmare COVID situation go away? In an article in Forbes, Michael Steltzner, the CEO of Social Media Examiner, writes, the pandemic has made so much of us yearn for real live conversation. And Clubhouse brings a unique dynamic by adding social elements to it. Now think about this. Is there is no coincidence between the rise of Clubhouse and the pandemic. One has driven the other, obviously. It's Clubhouse, which is the beneficiary of our disconnection. In the same way, if we go back to the 30s, radio was all about theater of the mind. Theater. Theater itself, and I'll talk about this in future episodes of season three. Theater is a physical place. It's a place you go, and you go there for a live performance. You go to a theater to watch and to experience And that's what connects us, the shared experience. As I said in the last episode of Podcast Maps, technology is and always will be about connecting people. So Clubhouse is very much creating a theater for us to connect. The important part is understanding how all of these audio two factors work together. What does Clubhouse mean to all the other audio two players, podcasts, for example, or Twitter spaces or Reddit. The way I see it is that Clubhouse is the new radio. Clubhouse is the new airplay. Clubhouse is the new distribution channel to get your word and your music and your podcast and your book out there. We have to make a clear distinction between airtime and asset. Clubhouse is airtime. Asset is what makes the money. If you think about Orson Welles's rendition of H.G. Wells's classic, well, you needed the asset. You needed the classic. You needed the IP owner of War of the Worlds. In the same way, if I listen to the Beatles from 1961, so I'm talking 60 years ago, or Bob Dylan from 1961 on my Spotify list, What I'm doing is I'm effectively still consuming an asset which is 60 years old. And the asset owner, the owner of the rights, the catalog, is still making money out of that asset. Orson Welles is not making money out of 
that stage performance, even though that for him was his way to get in the game. It was his publicity. So we have to draw a clear distinction between the two is that one is used for airtime, airplay, distribution, publicity, and one is the asset. Increasingly, I'm seeing Clubhouse being used as a promotional tool to promote the asset that exists elsewhere. That asset could be a podcast. We can see, for example, with A16Z as a good example of how a podcast owner uses Clubhouse to hustle for audiences or even do the behind the scenes. That would have been no different from an author going onto radio to talk about their new book or a musician playing on the radio, either as recorded music or live as a special performance. Those two coexisted. We need theatre and we need the stories. And these two need to work together, but they are importantly different. And that's how in this very disconnected world, these two technologies will evolve together symbiotically and not cannibalize each other, as some people seem to feel, because they don't understand the difference between the two. What is important is that they both exist. Podcasts have a discovery problem, as I'll talk about in future episodes of Podcast Maps, is that Spotify and Apple's problem is that they have a problem being discovered. And it's one of the number one reasons I'll share data in a future episode of why people don't listen to podcasts, because they don't know where to find them. That needs to change. And if anything, these new social spaces, these new theaters will create space for these story owners, asset owners to tell their stories to a wider audience and get discovered. <laughs>